it just uh, let everybody know that, uh, that you're happy to be online with us as well. We're going to continue in our series today called The Church. Um, we are talking about the blend this week. Uh, we're talking about for the first three weeks, we talked about the family of God looking inward. Then we talked about for three weeks, we talked about the army of God fighting outward. Come on, somebody. And this week, we're going to talk about the blend, how those things work together um, to bring health and vitality to the church because we're supposed to do both. We're not supposed to be one or, but we're supposed to be able um, to do both. And I'm going to read two passages of scriptures today. And uh, when, we, uh, when we read these two passages of scripture, we're going to uh, then pray and then talk about them. Amen? Yeah. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then we're going to skip down to verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. It's the only change agent on the face of the planet. Lord, I pray right now that it takes root deep at the fabric of our being. Lord, that we're never the same. We're never the same individually. We're never the same corporately again. But that we've been, cha- we've been transformed, changed, metamorphosized into your image. Or we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. When, uh, when we talk about um, five-fold ministry, we talk about um, spiritual giftings, we talk about those things, um, I think a lot of times we want to tune out because for a long time the modern church um, has not dealt with those kind of things. And as a result... Um, The modern church, I believe even though we have larger churches, come on somebody, I believe overall the church, the modern church in America is not as healthy as we once were. Come on somebody. Uh, Because we have begun to, um, to look differently than scripture intended for us to look at a church because we've lost some of those family values and we've lost some of those warlike values that make the church the unique, um, the, the unique gathering of people that it is. And here, when we take a look at these two passages of Scripture, um, we're talking about the roles in the church. We're talking about how the church is structured, how the, the, the church is set up. Now, I, want you, I, I need some audience participation here for just a second. Um, when, I, when you think of, of, of me, okay, when you think of, of me, th- me, this guy, not people in general, me, um, normally there's a word that you use before my name. It's an identifier that you use before my name. What is that word? I want you to shout it out on the count of three, what that identifier is uh, before my name. Uh, one, two, three. Shout it. Pastor. Um, And and I believe that one of the things that has happened in the modern church is that we have begun to identify anyone who leads a congregation, who leads a church. Some of y'all said other stuff because y'all are laughing. 
I didn't hear it, but I know somebody said something else because I hear people laughing. Um, so uh, we, we're not, I don't even want to know probably. So we're just going to move on. But uh, we, we, have, we have began with our terminology. We identify everyone who is over a set group of people over a church, we identify them as pastor. Um, that's just the title that you get when you lead a church. However, that's not scriptural. A- amen? That's, that's actually not what scripture refers to people who lead a church as. Um, they're, they're referred to all different kinds of things in scripture if, they, if someone is, is leading a church. So when we have identified everyone as a pastor, we have begun to use that pastoral value to identify the leadership of church. So that pastoral value is now placed and it makes the church very in-looking and very in-reaching by design and function because there are certain expectations that come along with that role. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not even going to show my cards and, and tell you this week where I believe I fit in this grand scheme of things, but I'm just want to under, I just want you to understand we're talking about how, how the army of God and the family of God blend together to build health and vitality in the local church so that we can function the way God desires the church to function. So that word pastor is very in-reaching and very inclusive. And it comes with a certain set of mental expectations. And a lot of times those mental expectations um, are what um, will eventually lead to someone leaving ministry because they uh, they, they are strapped with a title they're not equipped to carry. Come on, somebody. Uh, Because the pastor, let, let me... I'm going to try to do this. I only have four fingers. I still have five, but I'm, so I'm going to try to do it with this hand, and it's weird to, to do it. Uh, so so let me, let's talk about the five-fold ministry for just a moment. Now, listen, I know this might not seem as life applicable as, it, as a lot of stuff, but it is. Just stay with me, okay? I'm going to put you to work here in just a minute. Okay, so life application. All right, so five-fold ministry. Apostle. The apostle is the thumb. The apostle is the strongest member of the hand, and he stands away from the other four because many times his role is pioneering and breaking new ground where there is no established ministry. In today's world, he would look like a church planter. Come on, somebody. He would look like someone who is pioneering new avenues of ministry. I believe the new era of apostles we're going to see will be the ones who are pioneering and, and forging ahead in the digital world because that is the place where a lot of evangelism and, and growth will happen. So there's the apostle. Then there's the prophet. The prophet is the pointer finger because the prophet's role in the church is to point the direction that the church should go. To be that, that, that bumper, if you will, to give little tweaks and corrections as the church rolls along. So the prophet... Then the middle finger is the evangelist. Now, it's just because it's the longest, amen? That's the only reason the evangelist is the middle finger. He doesn't give the middle finger to the world, right? But he'll go above and beyond everyone else to reach the lost. Then the pastor, that's why it's better on this side, the pastor is the ring finger, 
Because the pastor is married to the church. He loves the church. He loves the people in the church. His desire is for the church's well-being. Then the little finger is the teacher. And the reason that it's the little finger is because your little finger is the only one small enough to get inside your ear. And when that little finger gets inside the ear, they can bring um, some profound truths if you'll just allow what they're saying to get inside your ear. And as we look at these groups of people by identifying every leader as pastor, what we're saying is that the expectation of leadership is to only and foremost care for those who are already inside the body of Christ. Let me say that again. By, 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 by giving that title and that, that mental attachment that comes along with it, we are assigning the responsibility that that person's soul, or at least most of their responsibility, should be taking care of those who are already inside the body of Christ. Now, there are people who are pastors who do lead congregations. But there are also apostles who lead congregations. Come on, somebody. There are also prophets who lead congregations. There are also evangelists and there are also teachers who lead congregations. And here is the, the expectation is that whoever leads the congregation is the professional ministry doer. Y'all are not with me this morning. Some of y'all know where I'm headed with this. That, that, that expectation is because you're in charge or because we pay you, you are the professional ministry doer, so you go and do the ministry. Um, I was having a, a conversation with a, a friend of mine, and um, he said that he actually had somebody in his church that called because they were sitting out on their front porch in rocking chairs, and they were rocking, and their neighbors came out on the porch and, and they were fussing and fighting and, and, and doing everything. And he called and he said, Pastor, you need to come over to my house right now because my neighbors are outside. And they're fussing and fighting. And you need to come on over here and tell them about Jesus. I said, what did you say? Because I knew he didn't go. I know the guy. I said, what did you say? He said, I told them they need to cut the umbilical cord. It's time for them to quit breastfeeding. And grow up and eat meat and walk over there and tell their neighbors about Jesus. But there was an expectation that all the ministry was done from the guy that stands in the pulpit. If that is true across all organizations, let me show you something. If that is true, uh, raise your hand if you, if you teach in any capacity, if you're a school teacher in any capacity. Do I have school teachers here? Okay. That means that when you guys teach, you should also take the test for your students. Right? Okay. Uh, let, let's go. Let's let, let let's let's go a little further. Um, Barry works in nursing. Are you are you the, are you the boss? 
Barry is the boss. At least self-identified, right? Barry is the boss. So if that remains true, Barry diagnoses, Barry orders all the supplies, Barry sees every single patient, Barry's the one that checks everybody out. He has to call and make sure they have insurance. It's the most ineffective model in the world that the person that is in charge does everything. As a matter of fact, if you are in an organization where you do everything, your organization is limited in scope. And for a long time, the church has been limited in scope. Because there are so many demands to take care of the body that if there is no energy left to reach the world. Uh-oh. And when we look at Scripture, the most famous passage of Scripture of them all, John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It does not say, for God so loved the church that he gave his only begotten son. He gave Jesus for the world, not for the church. Come on, somebody. But we act like we're the only ones. To be a healthy, vibrant organization, we need to understand that there are five different training roles. Let me say that again. Five different training roles. Because let's, let's, let's read it again. Verse 12, Ephesians chapter 4. For the equipping of the saints. Now listen, I don't want y'all to leave here with a big head today. I want you to put your hand right here. And I want you to say, when it says saints, it means me. When it says saints, it means me. Say it like I say it too. When it says saints, it means me. That those five roles are for the equipping of the saints for works of ministry. That those five roles, if you find yourself in one of those five roles... It is for the equipping of the saints. I guess that means I'm not one. That's why I'm mean, I guess. It's for the, the, the equipping, the training of the saints for works of ministry. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 is the example of the way church government and structure should look. This is what it says. Paul is speaking to Timothy and he says, Those things you heard from me among many witnesses. Commit them to faithful men that they might be able to teach others also. He says, listen, you and several others heard some stuff from me. This group. All right? Now what I want this group to do is go and find some faithful people and create a group like this. And then I want that group of people to go, come on now, 
and find some other people and create a group like this. But if we don't get the group here to get the group there, then we have a limited organization and we are trying to use a limited organization to broadcast the unlimited power of God to a vast population of people. So for us to be a healthy church, we have to understand the roles that come along with being part of the body. We talked about those hierarchical roles in the family. We talked about there being um, different levels because Jesus talked about mothers and fathers. Paul talked about fathers and sons. He, he, we talk about brothers and sisters. There's a hierarchical role, not in the eyes of God, but as we have this organization called the church, as we uh, use our tools and our giftings to expand ministry to the world, and it's broadcast down. And then there's different hierarchical roles in the army of God. There are, are certain people who receive that vision and, and those marching orders. There are certain people that go out and they, they do that hand-to-hand -hand thing where they're, they're out there and they're, they're on the front lines. And, and some of that is you. And the reality is that when you are in the war mode, when you're out fighting principalities and powers, that is a hard place to be. Come on, somebody. You are facing more opposition than you are when you were at church. When you are engaging the enemy in their territory, it is harder than engaging the enemy here in our territory. So we come here a lot of times and we pray and we do the thing and we say that this is spiritual warfare but really, spiritual warfare happens out there and edification and repair and healing and building happen in here. So now, let's, let's look at those roles again. The apostle. The apostle is, is kind of like that, that, that guy that goes and, and he just puts his head down and he doesn't really care. He's going to go where God sends him and he's going to establish something. He's going to establish a, a work that happens. And the people that are attracted to that person naturally are the ones who like to build things. Either with their hands or spiritually. That's why there are a lot of people who are attracted to church starts and church plants because they are naturally inclined to build. And that's great, except that in the church plant world, there's a whole lot of instability and there's not a lot of structure to bring the support for the people that are out there fighting. So we end up a lot of times with a wounded group of people, come on somebody, that never get poured into and never get built up and never get lifted back up. Let's talk about the prophet. The prophet is the, the mouthpiece of God. He's pointing the direction for the church should, that the church should go. And, and because he's so in tune, or she, I, I say he, but it could be she. Don't you know God uses men and women? Boys and girls. Not just grown-ups. The prophet normally... 
does not have a large following of people because in the listening to God, normally what comes out is uncensored and very harsh and brash a lot of times. Come on, somebody. Because it's, you just got to say what needs to be said sometimes. But the prophet is more in the inside role than it is in the outside role. Because he's for the body of Christ to point the direction. The evangelist. The evangelist is about winning the lost. So do you think the evangelist fits more in the army of God role or the family of God role? The army of God role because they're out there warring over those people who don't yet know Jesus, right? Then you come to the pastor. The pastor is wholeheartedly and exclusively the family of God role. To take care of the wounded. He is the medic. Come on somebody. For the army of God. The teacher is exclusively an internal role. Because you can't receive the teaching until you have a heart that's receptive to what's being taught. A regenerated heart. A, a regenerated heart. So now we look at those roles and you find your natural inclination... And you may now find why you see things the way you see things inside the church. If you spend most of your time thinking about why is the church not growing, you may find yourself that you're an apostle or you're an evangelist. If you're always thinking about the people that are in the church, you're probably a pastor or a teacher. If you're just worried about the body of Christ in general and the direction and you think everything's going to the devil in a handbasket and if, if something don't happen, all is going to be lost, you may be a prophet. So now we have these five roles. And it doesn't matter which one is in charge all five need to be functional in every church. Let me say that again. All five, I don't know what's going on with this thing. All five need to be functional in every church. It's not like, oh, we got a pastor, so we're just going to love each other. I, okay, I, I said I wasn't going to show my cards. I, I want to, I want to. I want to let y'all know a truth about me, okay? I love every one of you. I love every one of you. I mean, the way Jesus loves you. I, I mean, I believe that. But there's a reason. I love you the way Jesus loves you because Jesus died for you. Not because I like people. I mean, I know that sounds funny, and I mean, and listen, I know Miss Betty is at home watching right now. She's saying, oh, no, he loves people. Miss Betty, I love you. (laughs) 
But the, the realization is that people need to be loved, right? So am I fulfilling my call or am I fulfilling a vacancy? Are you fulfilling your call or are you fulfilling a vacancy? Or are you creating a vacancy? You're doing one of those three things. And for us to function properly, we need to understand that there are some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers that have to be activated to train the saints for works of service. That doesn't even normally in Scripture happen from the pulpit. It happens in relationship in places where people grow spiritually, groups. Let me say it again. It happens in places where people grow spiritually, groups. You will not experience the level of spiritual growth only attending Sunday morning service that you will as if you get involved in a group where there's true relationship and connection and teaching on the level that penetrates the heart because the teacher or the, or the evangelist or the pastor or whoever's leading your group understands your heart and how you're knit together. So those trainings and those things happen in areas where, where life happens, where spiritual growth happens, groups. Now, if you are a pastor, if you're... What's next? Prophet, evangelist, pastor... Y'all all remember that one. Because y'all still want me to do your weddings and your funerals, right? <laughs> Teacher. If you're one of those five things, you need to come to the place where you're comfortable leading a group. Let me say that again. You need to come to a place where you're comfortable leading a group. Because that's where training happens. If, you, if you're just going to say, hey, I don't want to lead a group, then lead a team. Don't call it a group. If you're an evangelist, don't call yours a group. Call it a team and go knock on doors and tell people about Jesus. Get involved with John in the prison ministry. And write letters to those hurt and wounded ladies that so are in love with Jesus and that need Jesus at the prison. Then you can, do, you can be an evangelist from your living room. You know, they couldn't do that back during the first century. They had to go somewhere. You can be an evangelist from your living room. But step out into that role, and this is why. Because every single member supplies nourishment to the other. So if you're a pastor... Pastor the evangelist who is wounded as they do the work to win the lost. 
teach the principles of God to those apostles that are out there pioneering new ministry and sometimes to forget, forget to see the tree because there's a forest. Healthy churches understand there are roles and pour into one another so that we're not just a family and we're not just an army, but we are a family of warriors that take care of one another, understanding that our primary objective is not so we can live so we can go to heaven, but that we live so that we can bring others into the kingdom. Because a healthy church is a church that grows both spiritually and numerically. Now, we do one of those two roles well around here. And one we don't do so well. I, um, I love missions. I love missions. I love reaching the lost. I love reaching the lost. I lo Doesn't mean you do. I do. Okay? Here, here's something that, that, that breaks my heart every time I see our financial statement. Every time I see our financial statement, what breaks my heart is I see those line items for missions. And it's not that we don't give because we do. This year, we'll give well over 10% of our operating budget to missions. Give well over 10% to missions this year. What breaks my heart is the fact that it feels like we're writing, we're writing child support checks while somebody else raises our children. Because we don't need to write a check. We need to roll up our sleeves and win the lost. We need to be going and activating. We need to understand that you don't have to go around the world to encounter people of different cultures. You don't have to go around the world to find people that don't know Jesus. Those people that you work with, that you think go to church, that know Jesus, there's a good chance they don't. Statistics say that right here in our community, those who self-identify as a Christian is 30%. That means 70% don't even self-identify as a Christian. Now listen, I know a few folks that are in that 30% that have wrongly self-identified. Amen? Judge that, that, that tree by its fruit, right? So we need to be more active understanding that our role is to reach. And once we reach, have the structure to love. Because a healthy church understands roles. Because you'll never know purpose until you know your role. Until you know your role. And you'll never have abundant life until you discover your purpose. Because purpose equals life. Purpose is completely fulfilling. Purpose opens 
and expands who we are and allows generosity to flow out of us into the right areas that make an impact in the world and make an impact in us. I'm going to talk about John one more time. For, uh, for years, John was our, our men's director. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the day I was hired here, John also got the position of men's ministry director. I won't ever forget that. I, I, I walked in, they announced me, they announced John on the same day. And uh, you loved it, didn't you? For a long time. Man, he was good at it. We had some great, great men's uh, ministry that happened. Those breakfasts, I still miss. I went like four months in a row and won the door prize every month for like four months in a row. It was amazing. And then a family that had multiple people figured out if they bring all the kids, they have a high probability of winning, and they started winning. But here's the thing. That was more of a pastoral role. John did it well. But he didn't light up about men's ministry the way he does prison ministry. The man lives and breathes prison ministry. He loves it. You wake up every day and you think about it, don't you? You go to bed at night and when you lay down, you think about it. That's purpose. That's purpose. Because John is more evangelist than he is pastor. And it wasn't until John got a little later in life that he discovered truly that calling and that gifting, and as a result, we're able to reach further and support him pastorally so as he wars over his field, we can protect him and love him and keep him healthy here. That's the role of the church. Everybody stand with me. And I don't know here what you're struggling with. But if you have an identified purpose, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Your purpose may not be your job. Your purpose may be outside the church. But it, be, it will be impactful and it will be fulfilling. You know, I could go through and I could talk about some of your, your purposes. Like I could talk about Elaine's purpose reach those that are abused and broken by the, the human trafficking it's not an industry it's a, an abomination from the pit of hell and her passion is leading her to be a leader in that arena you know I I could talk about a lot. I could talk about Chase. You know, there's a lot of people that you look at and you think, oh, they're a mix of this and this. Chase is not a mix of anything. He's only evangelist. He, uh, he changed jobs when, 
when he changed jobs. Okay, if I say this, he called me and he said, "Hey, Pastor, I, I had this interview with this new job, and 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 I got the job." I'm like, "Man, I'm so happy." He said, "No, no, no." He said, "My boss is a Muslim, and I'm so excited." Most of us, listen, most of us want Christian bosses so they'll let us off to go on our vacation mission trip. He knew his boss was going to have to put up with him and Jesus was going to seep out of him. Purpose. The church is about a group of people who find purpose. The Bible is about, is written by a group of men who found purpose and write correction to the same things we try to correct now. It is the same story being written over and over and over again. But as you find purpose, you lead more people to purpose. It's your responsibility to supply that nourishment to the people beside you. You need to get in a group. If you're an evangelist, you need to tell people about Jesus. If you're an apostle, start a... Listen, if you think you're an apostle, here's where you need to start in today's environment. I'm going, I don't do this for many people. I'm going to do it for y'all. Start a YouTube channel. And title your videos like this. Why does God hate me? How do I make God love me? Why are all Christians hypocrites? YouTube apostle was just born right there. TikTok, if you don't have much to say. Your title, why does God hate me? If your answer to that is, he doesn't. TikTok instead of YouTube. But start activating your gift doing something. See, I uh, got to talk about you for a second, honey. I'm going to. See, my wife is, uh, is incredible. She doesn't realize um, how, how much better she makes me. See, because here's, here, here's, here's something that, that, that she does so well that, that she doesn't realize is today I know that it's Taylor's birthday. Happy birthday, Taylor. Now, here's an indictment against me. Taylor is my godson. Taylor, when I woke up this morning, I'm sorry, buddy, but I didn't know it was your birthday. Okay? I know it's Taylor's birthday because my wife told me it was Taylor's birthday. That's purpose. It may not look like we want it, but that's purpose. Stepping into a role and fulfilling a role. And not all roles look the same and are packaged the same, but they're all just as important. The reason God called me 
to do what I do has nothing to do with me being important. As a matter of fact, he looked at me and he said, you know what? Steve is not very good at very many things. And you know what? I don't know that really frontline ministry is where he needs to be. Because he don't really like people that much. So I'm going to put him on the stage because the stage ministry is the easiest ministry in the entire church. Because if you show up here, you want to be here. At least in the beginning. What I do is easy. What I do is implore you to be who God called you to be. And pray that you'll do it. You find some great people who have giftedness beyond my giftings to lead groups. Like Wanda Walker. The best pastor at Cornerstone Assembly of God is Wanda Walker. Hands down. Should have made you a plaque. But I'm not good at that either. The greatest encourager in our church is Betty Reese. That's why every week she's on the Facebook live feed. And she's greeting people as they come onto the broadcast. If you've ever watched one of our broadcasts, Betty has said hello to you. She said, hey, can I pray for you? And then she prayed for you. That role is just as important as this role. I was going to do this in a different... I've changed my mind the the order I'm going to do it in. We're going to do communion and then I'll pray for people, okay? So when you came in, you probably received your communion elements. Thank you. If you didn't, raise your hand and we'll get them for you. Anybody right there at home, grab your saltines, your Pepsi, whatever you got. You know, uh, Mess mine up already. This is how I cut myself, you know. Not opening community. I got it. I got it. I'm resourceful. You know, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had his closest ministry partners. Gathered together. They ate the Passover together. They they had that incredible moving moment where Jesus took a towel and washed their feet. But he also served communion that night as well. He took that loaf, he took that bread and, and he broke it and he said, hey, this is my body. Broken for you. 
And when you receive it, I want you to remember me. We're talking about everybody fulfilling their role. And I want to break down that word for you. Remember. See, we immediately go to our thought process. But literally, it's to bring back together. To remember. To take every member of the body of Christ and bring them back together for the common cause. And as we receive communion today, I don't want you to just remember the death on the cross, but the purpose of the death on the cross to bring vitality to the church for the energy to reach the lost. So let's pray. Father, right now, bless the bread that represents your body that was broken for us as we receive it. Help us remember why you died and our role here. Let's receive it. And then he took the cup. He said, hey, this is my blood. This is the the new covenant. I'm going to interact with you differently than I did before. I'm going to shower you with my grace and my mercy. I'm going to Take a people who are not a people. Who are even the enemies of God. I'm going to make them the people of God. And as you drink it, I want you to remember. Father, bless the cup. Your blood spilled for us. As we receive it, help us to remember what you did. And discover our purpose. In Jesus' name, let's receive the cup together. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Listen, if you need healing in your body, there's no better time to receive it than after we have receive communion. If you need a miracle in your life, there's no better time than right now. So the band is going to play and right there, if you need a miracle in your life, just say, I need a miracle right there in the comments. And everybody wave to the cameras. We're going to let you go now. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow night on In the Gray. Goodbye, our home audience. If you need a miracle today, if you need someone to pray for you as the band plays, I'm going to ask you to step out.